Welcome to another edition of our Sada City Happy Hour Tastings. As always, a joy to be joined by the outdoors Sam Corbet. Uh, the, the rare outdoor Sam Corbet at this point, but nice to be able to get outside and enjoy a little bit. Of course, it is Canada Day weekend, although it's the weird long weekend that's split in the middle with whether you got Friday off or you got the four-day weekend or you didn't or otherwise. But for Sam, every day is a four-day weekend. Isn't that right, Sam? Yeah, it totally is. No, it really is. <laughs> We forgot we forgot what on the long weekend and worked yesterday so we could have today off and nice. I think we picked the right one because it rained like crazy yesterday. Yeah, I think a lot of southwestern Ontario got smashed pretty good by the the black clouds that were rolling through. I know where we are in Hamilton, it was nice and sunny for a big chunk of the morning and into the early afternoon, and they're all of a sudden like yeah, it it rolled in and it poured for about an hour, but. All we did, because as Canadians, as we know, we are creative and we are problem solvers. Uh, we just picked up the barbecue, took it from the back deck over in front of the garage, and then just had beers in the garage. So that was the Perfect. best way to fix it. <laughs> Where there's uh, a will, there's a way. Exactly. And it was fantastic. And I actually had a couple of binary systems yesterday, which if you want to see the review of that or any of the other Sada City beers, of course, you can go to our YouTube channel. CF Perspective is where you can find us. We got. A, I was actually looking through the lineup the other day, saying we've done almost 15 of these. At this point, oh, we're doing wow. one a week, but it's it's a nice lineup where I, I really do feel like, you know, you guys have so much going on and whether it's limited releases or stuff that's brewery exclusive or otherwise. But in terms of things that are readily available or going to be readily available, like lusciousness that we talked about last week, you can go to our YouTube page and you can check out the review. And Sam gives great detail on all of these beers, which is why I'm excited today. And I, I had to give this one the full Norway treatment, Sam, because... Uh, I, I've had one of these juices and it is, it's so good, man. It's just straight up. It's I, I, when I first got it and I love new England style IPAs in the first place, but when I first got it, we did the taste test of it, my fiance and I, and, and it was uh, patio nights. We did it with the, the sun lager. We did it with juicing and we did it with like one. Uh, it was the, uh, the guava passion fruit, uh, kettle sour that we, we uh, got from you guys. And, we did the four of them, and we agreed, both of us, that this was actually our favorite. We enjoyed the others. They're really smooth, different aspects to all of them, as we've talked about. But this one, I think, probably gets universal appraise. Does it not, from your perspective? Yeah, it's been, it was our OG uh, NEIPA, where um, our head brewer back in the day, Caleb and James, got together, and they really pushed this style like at the time, which is like five years ago, there wasn't a lot in Ontario in terms of this style of beer. So we've had a, a number of years to refine it and sort of tighten it up. And it, it just gets better every year. And it's a, it's one of those releases that we do every May two for, and it's become like a, a summer beer for a lot of people up here and uh, definitely a fan favorite and people look forward to it. it always sells super fast. Uh, we're probably going to be brewing our last summer batch in the next next week. Actually, I lied. We did it on Friday. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> or, sorry, fr Friday for me was Thursday. Right. So it was yesterday. Cheers. There you go. That is beautiful, man. The color on this thing is incredible. And it's, again, uh, it, it's amazing to hear you say that the New England style IPAs five years ago were not super prevalent because good luck walking through any LCBO anywhere in the entire province these days and not seeing 15 of them from 15 different places. It, everybody seems to have their own. And I understand that it's because of the explosion of IPAs and IPA culture and everybody's just obsessive about it as we've talked about, but specifically with new England style IPAs, what is so attractive about it and what drew you towards wanting to really have this be kind of like a bell cow 
beer that you could go to and say, this is part of who we are? Well, it started, it was actually like, uh, it began with uh, a mustache competition, which uh, we used to host every year at uh, the only in Toronto. And uh, a friend of Caleb's actually ended up winning and they brewed a beer and it was the, they brewed the new, they brewed juice in. And at the time, like, it was, it was pretty, you know, like new, like I said, but everyone sort of knew that this style was coming and it was just a matter of time. And we kind of got out in front of it. And then over the next couple of years, as we saw, as it hit and the sales and everything grew, that, and we didn't really want to put it in the LCBO, we wanted to keep it exclusive to Sada. So give people a reason to come up. And uh, uh, there was so many, it actually took us a while to go to the LCBO with a, with a hazy because we felt like, you know, they are a style that sort of demands freshness and being mm-hmm. where it is from the place. But as we tightened our, you know, production and we figured out, you know, how to make the haze stable for longer, we felt comfortable going with a few other ones, but we still wanted to keep juicing in house and keep it like a special once a year release. And uh, it, it's definitely, you know, it has like it, its followers and, we love that they that they're there and they come up in the summer and they that first weekend is just it's a crush of people slamming the juice in and it, it's now it's, it's now a it's now a summer tradition. That's awesome. Yeah, it's important to have those summer traditions as we know here on Canada Day weekend. But also, the thing that I'm interested in hearing you talk about wanting to keep it exclusive is how do you know when to keep something exclusive and when to try and push something else to be? Because I know for a fact. Because like I said, I love New England style IPAs and I love things that have like stone fruit and citrus and apricot and any of that. This, um, I'm not saying this because I love what you guys do and I've enjoyed these conversations. This is actually the smoothest that I've ever had from an LCBO, from an Ontario brewery. I've had, you know, Lake of Bays does their thing. And I've had, you know, Riverside Brewing recently down in Kingston. I did, I had one of theirs. It was kind of like a, an orange inspired New England style IPA. And, and I've, taste them and they always have that that little kick that little bitterness which if you like having that then sure that's your thing but this has that but it also finishes so crazy smooth it was the first thing that jumped out to me when i had a sip the first time like i said it's been five years so like at the beginning you know we sort of were learning we've tried different yeasts we've tried different malt profiles we've tried different you know beginning and and finishing gravities and over those years, like it wasn't just juicing that we were doing it with. Juicing sort of was like the one that began. And then we tried it with other ones. And over those years, as we got, as we did more of them and sort of nailed the process, it did, it takes time. Everything takes time. And uh, even keeping that haze, like we tried different yeasts. Some yeasts would fall out and some would not. We tried different uh, high protein malts to see which one had the longest stable haze. And all these things, like I said, it just, it's just repetition. Anyway, it's it's the same as sports. You know, you got to keep trying. You got to run those plays over and over again until you get it right. And then when it comes game time, you're a little bit more comfortable doing it. Yeah, it's. I was going to say, uh, you know, the can design, as always, is wonderful. Um, but I have to admit, as much as we are a football podcast, this just screams 1990s baseball to me. The name and the picture. That's just a big, juicy backside right there, getting a nice okay. big old steroid needle hitting home runs. Here's, here's the thing. So that was actually the first <laughs> Caleb's actually his original design was a, a big baseball player with a needle in his arm. Like it literally <laughs> was that. And then they, it was just, and, but his, his uh, now wife, uh, Emily, she actually drew the peach with a needle in it completely on its own. Like it was, it already existed as a piece of art 
And they both were like, well, this just actually fits way better. So they, they went with that. This is a sort of a new version of that, of that, of that painting that she had done. But it's funny that you say that because that is exactly almost <laughs> eerily exactly what he had wanted it to portray. Uh, and I, He's I, a big I, baseball fan. I was going to say, I'm also wondering whether or not this was pre or post emoji peaches. Uh, because the the peach emoji is now used synonymously as uh, chicks right. on, chicks on Instagram posting pictures of their backsides. So yeah, to, to I, actually, I don't know. To, to actually use what looks like the peach emoji with the needle into it, because if anybody is familiar with doping in baseball, they don't typically go into their arm. It's usually into the peach emoji. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not. I'm I'm a little bit of a Luddite and I don't really follow the, the, the those type of trends, but I think I would say it was a little bit before I don't know. Like it like I said, it was five years ago. So if, if is that a long time in emoji in an emoji world? Sam, I, don't, I think you have a legal know. case against Apple, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys created doing the Apple, peach emoji. Doing Apple for their peaches. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good man it is delicious again six percent uh as well you guys cranked it up a little bit there but it's it's crazy crazy smooth i want to ask you about you said the the haze and the process of the haze and this might be a a nerdy brewer answer but i want the nerdy brewer answer because i find it to be intriguing how you really tried to keep the haze in it and to be able to create something that actually sustains and holds on I'm sure even as it can conditions and ages to have that is integral to kind of the spirit of the beer. How do you, how do you do that? And how did you go through the process of making sure that 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 was going to stick? Well, it was, it was finding the right percentages of those high protein malts. Like we, we do it, we do a little bit of oats, but we actually add some wheat flakes as well. And we mash a little bit higher to keep the gravity high. And the strain of yeast that we use, which is actually a strain from Ontario called foggy London yeast. Uh, The guys at escarpment produce it. Uh, before we had been using uh, Vermont strain, which was, I guess, sort of like the first, when Hazy's first came out, sort of the, the, the main tentpole beer was uh, Heady Topper out of Vermont. And uh, they supposedly used this Vermont strain. So that's what everybody went after. But we, we found that that beer actually cleared out really quick. Like the yeast pulled a lot of the stuff out, a lot of those proteins, and they separated and coagulated. We needed to figure out how to keep it in there. Uh, we also, a lot of our beers, we use uh, uh, a PVPP product, which is what we add it into the boil, which helps clarify it during fermentation. But we leave that out purposely to keep this in and uh, make sure that, I mean, it, this is like the anti way of making beer. Like it, it goes against everything that I learned on how to make beer when I was in Germany. So it was like unlearning. And it actually took me a while to wrap my head around the this New England style. Like it was such an it was so antithetical to everything i knew that you know it took a while and it was caleb and james really pushing it i was the old guy like i don't get this <laughs> get it on the porch but they, they they they're really good at their job and they really pushed it so interesting so would you would you say that the things that are being taught in europe sometimes there are blank spots maybe there's loopholes maybe there's things that are more prevalent in other places like north america or otherwise that that aren't being taught or is it just a a different style i just think it's taking that same like knowing the science and knowing what it is but using it in the opposite way just like reverse engineering it and, and and figuring it out like it all comes from the same place it's just 
you know, a lot of European brewing is steeped in tradition and they remain there. It's like many things where sometimes it just takes young new generation to push those boundaries and, and skip to the next level. It's like music where if, you know, this guy doesn't push that next musician, you don't end up with this type of rock and roll, then you don't end up with hip hop yeah. or you don't. Disco turns that. into pop, turns into electro, turns into house music, turns it right. It's like, but then the it all comes back 20 years later and they're, and they're reusing it in the new stuff. But like, it's, you have to, you have to have that tradition and you just need some new, some new blood to inject some energy back into it and, and pull out some new things. And that's what it is. Like there are, there's definitely the same, I, a science behind this, it's just flipped on its head. And uh, I, I I was very much like living in this, this is how it was. Like I was so wet West Coast IPA yeah. and it took me like, that's where I, that was where I made my bones. Like Lone Pine's over here. It, it's completely different. It, a Lone Pine, like when I think of West Coast are very similar in design to like a Pilsner in that they're dry and bitter. This is sweet and juicy and the bitterness has to go away. Bitterness has become a bad word almost. Like people don't want bitter anymore. They just want soft, pillowy, juicy. Those are the sort of catch words. So I had to like learn, unlearn everything that I had learned. I think there's like, a, I think Yoda said that. <laughs> well, and I also, it's, it's interesting hearing you talk about kind of the differences between the two sides of the United States and really of North America when it comes to beer culture on West Coast IPAs, New England style, because um, the idea of having that bitterness be almost like a dirty word, as I said off the top, there's people who really like that, right? They want that bite and they love that. But I'm wondering where the next evolution of IPAs is going, because I, I actually talked to one of my friends recently who said, well, I love like sessionable IPAs, like ones that I can just, I can drink all day in the you know, hot weather in the summer and all the rest and their lower percentage. And and I said, yeah, but for me, like, I, I don't need to, you know, throw back 12 beers. I'd rather have four to six of ones that are higher percentage and really flavorful, like something really, and I like when they're smooth, but I still want that flavor. And, and to hear you talk about, you know, the fact that bitterness becomes almost like a dirty word. Well, there was a lot of, of bitterness in, in the IPA culture. And now it's almost like because IPAs have become so, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like generalized, but they, they reach such a wide swath of the population and people want them that you want to hit every demographic and every type of IPA drinker. And so, yeah, you take the bitterness out and all of a sudden the people who are, cause I know my fiance, every time I hand her one, like a new IPA that I've never had before. And I go, Ooh, that smells amazing. I hand it to her and she goes, Oh my God. Like she's, she's just kicks back from it. Like it's a hot spice or something like that. And it's not because she doesn't like the beer. It's that there's there's a bitterness to it when she takes a sip or otherwise that she doesn't like. So juicing, like I said, off the top, when I, we had those four beers that you guys said, she said, this is this is amazing. I've never had an IPA that that feels like this, that finishes like this. So, yeah, you guys have certainly found something in this, as you say, over the five years of refinement that has uh, attracted a lot of different angles. Yeah, and, uh, IPAs, you can look at. There are so many different styles now, like you said, that you half you almost make an ipa for every palette mm. and like we've been running the gamut of ipas now it is a versatile style because there really was no uh template like there i, I mean that's lack of a better word but like there was it was almost carte blanche and everyone uses that as a jumping off point 
the old school English IPA, like it's so far removed now from what IPA has become that you can shoot off and have like a mojito IPA like we've done, or you can have a session IPA at 3%. As long as, as long as you keep the idea that, and I think sometimes this does get lost is that it needs to be drinkable in the fact that you want to have more than one. Like you can't just make one where like, there are beers that are, I like to call them festival beers where you go to beer festival a and it's super interesting and you have it in your little sample cup you're like that was super good but then you never go back and have it again because it was <laughs> it's just not something you'd sit down and have a bunch of like yeah you has to be repeatable you have to want you want to have to have three of them like it, it's no fun if it's not because then it's like one and done and you move on and it's forgotten in the past it's got to be you got to have the hook you got to get people in there and want to come want them to come back so you still have to keep that idea when you go into making the IPA, whether it's a ridiculous one or just a straight ahead one. Like it's, you still have to keep that drinkability and that sensibility so that you have more of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got a last couple of questions for you here, Sam, that come in from a couple of people that I sent out as always on Twitter said, Hey, we're doing juicing today from Sawdust city. If you have any questions, let me know. Uh, and I got some Canada day themed questions coming in hot Ooh. at you here okay, okay. so uh the first one comes in from sarah and she asks what is the most canadian beer style to you what is the most canadian beer style Jeez, like if i go back to my sort of like craft beer roots it's it's this like ubiquitous canadian pale ale or slash ontario pale ale that used to be everywhere in the late 90s early 2000s it was like vaguely malty little bit hoppy but it was it was just so generic and it was just exactly ontario it was so milk toast that that to me was like i grew up on that like it wasn't anything it was just canadian like it, it was it was polite and, and it's almost <laughs> obscure like just not presenting enough of itself we needed it we needed to get a little bit more oomph behind it but i and we have and i think that there are so many beers that are brewed in ontario and canada that stand up against any beer in the world. I think there's so many good breweries right now that this is like the renaissance of Canadian brewing is right now. Like yeah. you can go out there in any small town in Ontario and you can find some pretty fantastic beer. So that's yeah. amazing. And it's pretty special to be able to realize it in the moment is something that I've, I've always appreciated too. When you talk about the idea of Ontario craft brewing and Canadian craft brewing, really taking it to the next level and, and experiencing this because people don't realize how good they have it until it's gone right until it goes down you go oh man but there were so many places and i know this too from living inside the football world where you don't realize how great a team has been for five six seven years until all of a sudden they take a nose dive and you go ah man but remember when and so it's nice to, that you have the perspective because you've been around long enough to see the game and go no no like people need to realize how good this is right now and how much there is available to you but uh, the next one comes in here from rick and he says uh, when you travel the world, because I think Rick actually mentioned in this comment that he had seen uh, the little Norway video, one of the first ones that we did, uh, where you talked about going over and, and talking to people from Europe and trying to do something different for them and having the conversations about, you know, what the history of, of the town and Gravenhurst and all the rest was, uh, that he actually asked, uh, when you travel the world, what do people think of Canadian beer? I don't think that people think about Canadian beer. I don't really? think they they're just and it's it's sad because we don't really we're, we're we don't really stand out. And the fact that we're 
you know, next door neighbors to the country that basically kickstarted a beer revolution in terms of craft beer. And they tend to be louder and brasher than we are. As <laughs> Let's just call a spade a spade. They're a little bit more outspoken and yeah. we're happy to play, you know, the little brother and stand in the background and wave. But, and you know, that's just, I think it's, it's so Canadian that it's, it's almost disturbing. Like we don't want to like rock the boat just like, but we should be rocking the boat. And there's a beer writer out there, Stephen Beaumont that mentioned like Australia has like, they've, they've come up with an Australian pale ale. Like it's a style. America's got a million different styles. They've basically written the book on styles now. Like there's an English IPA, but there's an American IPA. There's an American stout. There's an English stout. Like, they, that's them. There's all these other countries that have defined themselves by a style, but Canadians just are, we just don't. Mm. We, we make really good beer, but we don't, you know, there's nothing that's uniquely Canadian. You could say like a maple beer, but like, ah, it doesn't really, that's not, no. that's not it. Like we just haven't, I don't know. It's because we're Canadian. Haven't just stood up and said, this is our beer. But don't you think happy that, to- that speaks a lot to what Canadian society is? Because we have so many different places represented, so many different styles, so many different backgrounds. And it's it's not always 100% accepted the way that we wish that it was. But there is a lot of that acceptance of, yeah, this is what Canada is. And I, I kind of in a funny way, appreciate the fact that, yeah, we might take a backseat to some other people. And I'm, I'm actually surprised they don't talk about us because we make some kick-ass beer. But the idea of being able to have so many different styles under one umbrella, that is our style, is it not? Like, it, you don't have to be defined by a singular beer or a, single, a singular style. Can you not have the world look at Canada and say, no, they just do a lot of crazy, fun stuff. They do a lot of interesting stuff. And that's the brand of Canadian beer. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. I'd love it if people, if they just understood that we do make good beer. And I think we do, but I think the other thing is that we sometimes just get lumped into America Junior. Like, we are just North America, and then no one really looks at us as our own self. And, I mean, that's a larger question and of <laughs> who we are and our own persona. But, like, Australia is its own little island over there. So people like Australia is Australia, right? And, yeah. and, or Japan is Japan. I'm just picking countries, but like we always sort of just get, oh, yeah, right. Canada, that huge country that's just above that other country. Like it's, I don't know. I, I wish we got more attention because I mean, I have traveled to many countries and tried beer all over the world. And I, I, I can't go say it more often. Like I just feel like, we have world beating beers here and no matter where you go from Nova Scotia to BC, like there's so much good beer here. There are thousands of breweries that pop like mark all the little towns just outside of big city centers that you can find some fantastic beers at and just drive and spend a day and just go out and visit one of them. And you'll find a very interesting person that'll tell you a great story and and give you a wonderful beer. And it's a day worth having. So I just, if you want something to do on the Canada Day long weekend, find a brewery an hour from your house and go visit it. Yeah. And you'll, you're definitely going to have a fun day and a memorable experience. I actually, uh, I paid our CFP guys, Connor, Wade, Kyle, all the rest this, this past week with uh, some of the money that we are thankful to have from our sponsorship with uh, Fox 40 and Sada City. And I, I paid them and I said, your task with the money today is go find a craft. I'm not even joking about this. I said, go find a craft brewery you've never heard of before and sit at their patio and buy a couple of beers. I was like, 
you have to, at the very least, go do some of that because, yeah, that is like it, even for me as somebody who grew up in Kingston, great brewing culture, great beer culture, all the rest, downtown Princess Street. People love going down there, lots of different places. But I, I had a beer today from the LCBO I had never had before, and it was from Kingston. And I didn't even know what the brewery. I didn't even know the brewery. Oh man, there's Kingston's like they've gone through a bit of a renaissance. I'm actually heading to not quite Kingston, but I Prince Edward County the next weekend. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was just out that way a couple of weeks looking at Canning Line, and there's a, a brewery just out uh, just by Bath called the yep. McKinnon Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. They they uh, make uh, the the Red Fox Ale. Uh. <laughs> I, I had that. I had the beer that they make with their own. I think it's their harvest that they mm -hmm. make their. They, they grow their own malt. It's wonderful. And those two brothers, such nice guys. And just to sit and talk with them, I hadn't been to another brewery in so long because of the COVID. And we, they were nice enough to allow us to come to see their canning line. And I, I forgot how much I missed talking to other brewers. And they're yeah. just such wonderful people. And it's a farm in the middle of like, just outside of yeah. Bath. Wonderful it farm country beautiful place to spend a day and i when i go to prince edward county i will drive by prince edward county to go there to visit again before i come back because i want to see it again it was it was a great experience yeah it's uh it's a great place in bath for people that haven't been like sam is talking about it's farmland it's on lake ontario but it's around the edge of the lake and it is it's farmland and there's a there's a plant there but i actually have a friend who I went to high school with and she moved out to BC with the guy that she met because he was working in, in the industries out there. Uh, I think he was in fishing and then they got, she got pregnant and they came home to raise their child in bat. They renovated an apartment and they moved in five minutes away from McKinnon brothers. The first thing that she said to me was when you come back to Kingston Marsh, we have to go over to McKinnon brothers. And it's funny because I actually got ingratiated into McKinnon brothers and what they had to offer when I was uh, at the, I believe it was iHeart Beer uh, Festival in Hamilton uh, or the Hamilton Beer Festival, I forget. And, and I was there and I was going around and trying different things. And, and I had two from McKinnon Brothers and I ended up spending the rest of my tokens at McKinnon Brothers. I was annoying the shit out of the guy that I was working at McKinnon <laughs> Brothers because I just kept going back. I'm like, hey, man, I just like your stuff more than the rest of the stuff that's out here. So I'm just going to keep going here and just hanging out kind of thing. So uh, and he was great about it and had a lot of fun. But yeah, they do. I mean, in normal times, which I, I know we're getting closer and closer to, they do a great job of being able to put on summer concerts. And But there's so many places across the country that are like McKinnon Brothers, which is why I highlight it. Because like you're talking about, if people can just search out those places that are on a farm, that are out in the countryside, that have the ability to be able to give you these unique experiences, uh, it's certainly something worth being able to search out. The last question that I have for you uh, comes from me. And this is, where do you think the future of Canadian beer is going? Well, I think the future is that we will get noticed on the world stage because I don't think it's possible that with this much good beer getting produced across 6,000 kilometers of space is ever going to go unnoticed the way that it has been. We've been flying under the radar, but, the, you know, eventually we're going to pop up like a big blip. And it's going to be unmistakable what we're doing here. Uh, as it, it continues to grow, it doesn't, it's not slowing down in terms of like people, like new breweries popping up and each, you know, subsequent new brewery has a generation of someone that worked for somewhere before and they're taking a new idea and growing it the way that new England IPAs over the last five years have proliferated. So will these Canadian breweries that just get better and better and better. And eventually 
uh, we will get noticed. And I think that it's an inevitability that we will be on that world stage like everybody else where we deserve to be because it's, uh, you know, I don't want to be boastful <laughs> showing my, my red and white right there, but uh, I, I think we deserve it. I think Absolutely. we really do. We've earned it. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. Uh, again, it is great. It is juicing, which is how we started the conversation today. New England style IPA from Sada City Brewing. If you would like to be able to get yourself free shipping on orders over $100 in Ontario, must be a legal drinking age. Use the promo code CFL on their website. Order yourself some Sada City beer and uh, make sure that you are enjoying the start of the CFL season because, Sam, training camps start next Saturday. Next Saturday, the wow, CFL it's, is it's coming. Is, it's coming. This is exciting. All of the players are back inside the country right now, and they are observing a seven-day quarantine, getting themselves ready. All the American guys flew up or drove up or whatever they had to do, rode a bike across the border if they had to, and they got themselves into Canada. They're currently sitting by themselves for a week, and then they're going to strap on the pads and all the fans out there. Make sure you're using that promo code CFL to celebrate the start of the CFL season. Sam, I would cheers you, but... Uh, Juicing was too good. My beer is all gone. So thank you. Yeah, I'm out too. I'm out. <laughs>